faith. We walk by faith, believing God no matter what. We walk by faith, believing God no matter what. On June 16th, 2022, People Magazine ran an article. The article was entitled, Indianapolis Colts Safety Karai Willis Said He is Retiring from the NFL. In a post to Instagram on that Wednesday, the 26-year-old said he is leaving the league after, quote, much prayer and deliberation. He said this, quote, I have elected to officially retire from the NFL as I endeavor to devote the remainder of my life to the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, said Willis. He played three seasons in the NFL. He said, I thank all of my family, friends, and those who have supported me on this journey thus far, and I look forward to your continued support through the next phase of my life. The Michigan native continued, I am both humbled and excited to pursue the holy call that God has for my life, which brings me much joy and purpose. He was drafted as a fourth-round pick from Michigan State in 2019. He also thanked the Colts for, quote, granting me the opportunity to compete in the National Football League the past three years. Some people hear a statement like that, and they don't understand. A career in ministry? They spend their lives, many, many, many a young person spends their lives trying to make it big, This guy makes it big for three years and then decides to go in the ministry. People would question, where in the world are you, what in the world are you thinking? You imagine the money, imagine the retirement. Some would have counseled him probably to say, hey, stay and play ball. And then when you retire, you can go into the ministry and you can serve God without having to get paid. But instead, he chose to serve God. Many years ago, there was a man who had great opportunity. He had opportunity for success in the world's eyes. He had opportunity to make it big. He had opportunity to make it all the way to the top. And yet he gave it up for a similar reason. His name is Moses. He's found in Hebrews chapter number 11. Beginning in verse number 24, where the scripture tells us this concerning Moses, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. I want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled, Faith Rejects the World's System. Faith Rejects the World's System. Let's bow and ask the Lord to meet with us. Lord, we need you today. Lord, without you, I'm nothing. Lord, I pray that you would take truth and what you meet needs in our lives. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, the songwriter penned. Lord, we live in a wicked world that seeks, desires to conform us. Lord, I ask that you would use truth today and help us, like Moses, 
to choose to reject this world system as we seek to be light in a dark world. Lord, would you be glorified now in everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. The world in which we live in has nothing to offer any of us. Moses recognized this, and Moses chose to walk by faith. And in choosing to walk by faith, he rejected some of the offers that he had from the world. I want to just take a few minutes this morning and look at these few verses. And I want to look at some things, six offers that Moses rejected. You could say six opportunities that Moses rejected. I want us to see, number one, that faith rejects the world's philosophy. If you look at our scripture, the Bible says in verse number 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years. Moses had been raised in an ungodly heathen palace, except for the first few years of his life. One commentator said this, He had been given the finest education Pharaoh could obtain for his grandson. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 7 and verse number 22 that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. His education would be such that would oppose everything that faith in God believes. And yet by the time he was 40, he chose to have faith in Jehovah God. He chose to reject the philosophy of the world in which he grew up in. It's kind of really amazing when you think about it. He only had a few short years, and then he was immersed, in, indoctrinated in the philosophy of the world, and he chose to reject it. He chose to put his faith in Jehovah God. When we look throughout the scriptures, we recognize that this world really does have nothing to offer us. As a matter of fact, we're challenged as God's people to not be, Romans 12, conformed to this world. The world seeks to conform us. The world seeks to press us into its mold, and we're admonished to be not conformed. In 1 John chapter number 2, we are told to love not the world neither the things that are in the world. And we're admonished to love not the world. James chapter number 4 tells us not to be friends with the world, to make not friendship with the world. In Matthew chapter number 12, Jesus admonished, hey, you can gain the whole world and lose your own soul, and it's not worth it. Don't gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Don't live just for the temporal and that which is just here. Live for that which is beyond here. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, the Bible tells us, God hath made foolish the wisdom of this world. Boy, don't we see that now? I mean, we think concerning some of the things that people are saying. You know, you have to decide if you're a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. And we think that makes no sense. That's foolish. By the way, you can't do anything to change the chromosomes that God placed in you. <laughs> you might be able to do some things on the outside. You know what? Hey, it's foolishness. And God said he makes foolish the wisdom of this world. Second Corinthians chapter number 6, we're to be separate from the world. Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but the rulers of the darkness of this world. 
Hey, we think concerning our school system and the indoctrination of children. This plan for what's happening now took place years ago when they took over the public school systems and sought to indoctrinate a generation of young people. And now they've grown up and many of them are adults now and they believe stuff that's wacko because they have been indoctrinated by the world system. Faith says this, I stand with truth. Faith says, hey, I don't have to worry about some of these things. I I look at what the word of God says concerning men and women and concerning abortion and concerning homosexuality and concerning alcohol and concerning everything else. Hey, the, the, the whole government, they may pass all kinds of laws. It doesn't matter what the government says. It matters what God says. And faith says this, though I live, live in the midst of a philosophy that is anti-God, if I'm the only one left, I'm going to stand with truth. Why? Because the Bible says in Psalm 1, hey, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, right? His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Faith rejects the world's philosophy. In Yorkshire, England, during the 1800s, two sons were born to a family named Taylor. The older one set out to make a name for himself by entering Parliament and gaining public prestige. The younger son chose to give his life to Christ. He later recalled, Well do I remember, as in unreserved consecration, I put myself, my life, my friends, my all upon the altar. I felt I was in the presence of God, entering to a covenant with the Almighty With that commitment, Hudson Taylor turned his face toward China and obscurity. As a result, he is known and honored on every continent as a faithful missionary and the founder of the China Inland Mission. For the other son, however, his brother, there's no lasting monument. When you look at the encyclopedia, I am told to see what the other son has done, you find these words next to his name. The brother of Hudson Taylor. Isn't it interesting? Someone said, I'm going to set out to make a name for myself and to make something. And another said, hey, I'm just going to set out to serve God. And the one that served God still makes an impact today. And the one that chose to not uh, is just known as the brother of the one that chose to serve God. Faith rejects a worldly philosophy. I want you to see, secondly... We go back to Hebrews chapter number 11, and the Bible says uh, he refused, verse 24, to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Number two, I want you to see this, faith rejects worldly position. Now Moses would have been heir probably to the throne of Pharaoh. He was adopted, trained by the royal family. He was in a privileged position. He could have stayed as royalty. When you, uh, uh, when you look at this, one commentator said this, to refuse to any longer be the son of Pharaoh's daughter was to refuse high position indeed in the land of Egypt. Some believe it even meant that Moses refused the throne. Josephus tells us that Pharaoh had no other children and that his daughter... Moses' adopted mother had no children of her own. So most probably, Moses would have succeeded to the throne. But as high and mighty as the position was waiting for him, he turned the position down. He was surrounded 
with royalty, the privileges of royalty. I remember years ago I was working in a summer in a place in Philadelphia that remanufactured car parts, and, and I'm there working, and I see this young kid driving. This was a warehouse. They remanufactured park car parts. They had forklifts in there. But this young kid was driving a golf cart through the factory. And I thought, that makes no sense. They got this young kid, this young boy, maybe 12, 13, 14, driving a golf cart through. That kid could get hurt. And I thought, I wonder what's up with that. And I come to realize that that was the, the, the guy running the company's son, the owner of the company's grandson. And it all made sense to me after that. I thought, all right, here is the boss's kid driving around in a golf cart because what? Because he is the position, right? He has the position. If I would have uh, asked to borrow the golf cart and drove uh, from where I was to the break room, or I, I probably would have been fired, but with position, right? Moses had position to be the top dog. Imagine, you think about what happens in society when someone would turn down a position. One commentator, actually F.B. Myers, wrote, Moses' choice would be perhaps met by bitter tears and hot indignation on the part of her, Pharaoh's daughter, to whom he owed so much. In how many circles would it be discussed and what interpretations would be placed on it? Some would attribute it to jealousy or, uh, or uh, others in the presence uh, would, would, would have issues with it. Others would scheme ultimate self, uh, 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 building up self. All would commiserate the princess whose kindness seemed to be rudely requited. Think about how the news media would handle this situation. But Moses came to a point in his life where position and what came with royalty and what came with being in that high position wasn't worth it. Moses came to position or to a point in his life where he recognized, hey, I would rather serve God with my people, and we'll see this in just a minute, than be the highest ruler in the land. We have to be careful sometimes what we seek after. Sometimes even God's people will do whatever they can to climb the corporate ladder. And when you get to the top of the corporate ladder, they use the old saying, all the glitters isn't gold. And sometimes to get to the corporate ladder, we have to compromise. We have to compromise convictions and compromise truth. And Moses wasn't willing to do it. Number one, faith rejects worldly philosophy. Number two, faith rejects worldly position. Number three, I want you to see this, faith rejects worldly peace. You see, what do you mean? Look at verse number 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. When Moses chose to leave the palace, he chose to identify himself with the enemies of the palace, God's people. He became a people of God despised by the Egyptians. They would treat him differently now. The word translated reproach is a strong word. It involves verbal abuse. It involves insult and defamation. Now think about this. Had Moses chosen to stay in the palace, had he chosen to stay royalty, those people that lived in the world with him would have nice things to say about Moses. 
He would get along with all of them. He would be at peace. As a matter of fact, he'd get along better with them because they would, uh, what do you say, try to do what they could to get in good favor with Moses because Moses now was the guy in charge. But he leaves the palace. Those under him would think that guy's nuts. And then he identifies with the people of God. And those in the world do not like those that identify with the people of God. And the peace that Moses had with the world, you might say, he would no longer have. He would suffer affliction. He would be insulted. He would be defamed. Paul told Timothy, they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Why? Because the world is at enmity with God. Jesus said this, if they hate me... Or they hate you, they hate me. Get, get used to it. How's that for my interpretation? We think about this. We want people. One of the biggest challenges that we have when it comes to witnessing. One of the biggest challenges that we have when it comes to telling people about Jesus is it not that we're afraid that they're not going to like us. You say, yeah, but if I, if I say something to my brother, he's going to get mad at me. He'll get over it. You think he's going to be mad at you when he's burning in hell for all eternity? You just won't be there to see the anger and the upsetment that he has. You know, the reality is, we, if we're going to, look, if you want everybody to like you all the time, and we're not going to happen, but if you want this world to like you, then don't say anything. Don't say anything about God. Hey, when they take God's name in vain at work, don't say anything. You take your God's name in vain at work. By the way, if they took someone you love's name in vain at work, you probably would say something. And it's a crying shame when we're more concerned about the people that we love here on earth than we are the God that sent his son to die for us. You know, the reality is, hey, if I don't say anything, everything's going to be all right. But that's not what God wanted. I often wonder this when I think concerning they that shall live, will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If I'm not suffering persecution, am I really living godly in Christ Jesus? Because God said it shall suffer persecution. See, we need to get to a point where uh, we're like Moses. We need to get to a point where we say, you know what? I am willing to be identified with Jesus Christ, whatever that means. People say, yeah, you go to church? Yes, I sure do. I'm an independent Baptist, and I go to church, and I love the Lord. That doesn't mean we need to be angry about it, or we need to be mean about it, or we need to be condescending to others about it, but we need to be willing to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd be willing to open our mouth wide and say, hey, uh, please don't take my Lord's name in vain. Hey, please don't, whatever it might be. Hey, Moses chose to suffer. It was his choice. He could have had the easy road. And you know what? If we're going to serve God, we're going to do what? We've got to take up our cross daily and follow him. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. Oh, we're too worried about our, our own comforts our own conveniences. Too worried about that. Faith rejects this aspect of worldly peace, being the cool dude with everybody in the world. Hey, I identify with Jesus. By the way, can I say this great verse in the scripture? If a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies at peace with him. You see, we think, hey, if I say something for Jesus, they're going to get mad at me. God can work it all out. You speak up for Jesus. You may not know. Hey, the Bible says this. There's no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. 
Or they may look rough and tough on the outside and look like they have it all together and look like, hey, hey, you say something to me and I'm going to squash you. And the reality is we open our mouth and say something and who knows if God isn't working in that individual's life. And that individual will see his or her need for Jesus. Faith rejects worldly peace. I want you to see number four. Faith rejects worldly pleasure. Go back to our text verse. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, look now, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin brings pleasure. That's why so many people, all of us, have a hard time with sin, right? Sin brings pleasure. If there was no pleasure, people wouldn't sin. But notice the pleasure of sin, as we look at the scriptures, only lasts for a season. One commentator said this concerning Moses and what he gave up. Moses had much opportunity being in the palace to drink deeply of the pleasures of sin. Pharaoh's palace in Egypt provided unlimited sinful pleasures. These pleasures were licentious, but they were protected, of course, by the walls of the palace. He could sin, and nobody even realized the extent of his sin. Obviously, God sees and knows everything. When we think concerning the opportunities his flesh had, those in the palace could easily partake of the pleasures of, the, of sin. Wine, women, and song were readily available in the palace any time Moses wanted them. I can't help but think of what is readily available in the, in the, uh, the dark side of our government. And the sin that people in these positions get away with. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And though he had opportunity to feed his flesh in any way that he could, Moses said, hey, I'm serving God. I'm choosing to suffer rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. We don't recognize the extent that sin can really have. David, I'm sure wasn't thinking when he didn't go to battle and he came out on the rooftop of his house and he saw Bathsheba bathing and then he calls her to his home and recognizes that she's already married and her husband is one of his faithful mighty men out there fighting for him it's interesting when you read that story there in the old testament the bible says at the end of all the story the Bible reminds us that God saw it. And the thing that he did displeased the Lord. Little did David know that one evening of sin would affect the entire rest of his life. Yes, God is able to forgive. Yes, God is able to restore. Yes, God is able to still use us. And, and we look at Psalm uh, 32 and Psalm 51, and we read these Psalms, and we find comfort and joy. As David agonized, his bones waxed old, the Scripture says. 
I'm sure if David could go back, especially when he's writing Psalm 32 there, if he could go back, he'd go back and say, I do it all over again. He found out firsthand that the pleasures of sin were only for a season. Imagine as he and Bathsheba labored over, and David understood the mercy of God. And they fasted and cried for this child, and God said, the child's going to die. Immediately, he faces the pain of losing this little baby. Imagine Bathsheba, harder on a mom, probably than on a husband, a wife. She wasn't a wife. You think concerning beyond that and the agony and the pain with Absalom. And you you look at the turmoil in David's family, the history that probably could have been written differently had David made the same choice that Moses made to say, I believe God, and I believe what the Bible says, and though my flesh might want to do this, I'm going to serve God anyway. Moses walked by faith. He rejected worldly pleasure. It's sad when you read the scriptural account in the Gospels where the man came to Jesus and wanted to be saved. And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, Matthew 19, go and sell all thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? We're going to look at this in just a minute. He had a lot of possessions. He was inundated in this world. Which takes me to our fifth uh, offer that Moses rejected, and that was worldly possessions. If you look at our scripture, it says, um, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Boy, oh boy, faith caused Moses to turn down a huge fortune. I mean, you think about it. Powerful nation, royalty, Egyptian, and all that they had. Uh, Egypt's royalty was not poor. Every king would inherit his predecessor's wealth and would add to it during his reign by various means. Most of those means were evil. The treasures of Egypt were waiting for Moses. These were great treasures. Even today, one commentator said, archaeologists continue to dig up evidences of the immense treasure the Egyptian royalty possessed. It was all waiting for Moses. Moses could have delegated. He could have delegated everything out. And Moses could have theoretically kind of been like retired real early. Moses had it all. By the way, the scripture tells us that Solomon had it all as well. Solomon said, whatever my eyes saw that I wanted, I had possessions. Why is it that we work? Do we work just to gain more and more and more stuff that our kids are going to throw away when we die? I read an article this week, what what to give your kids when you... I just read a little glimpse of an article. But it, I thought, wow, this is going to be intriguing. What your kids want from you. It was a secular article. What your kids want from you when you die. And basically what it was was get rid of your junk before you die so they don't have to. There you go. <laughs> we buy stuff we think we need when really we want it. 
We don't need half of it. Go home and look in your closet and say, say to yourself, how much of this do I need? Then ask your spouse, and they'll tell you you need half of it. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? You try to get rid of stuff. Stuff like possessions. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. We're talking about living for stuff. We're talking, talking about laying up for ourselves treasures on earth. The scripture tells us in Matthew 6, we're to do what? Lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. That's what really matters. A number of years ago, as a matter of fact, the year was uh, 2016. And many of you are familiar with this illustration. Uh, August 7th, 2016, I shared this illustration that I think is really a great illustration of this. And then we'll hit our last point and we'll be finished. In 1904, William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school. He was heir to the Borden family fortune in high school. For his high school graduation present, his parents gave 16-year-old Borden a trip around the world. Tim, don't get any ideas. I know you're graduating soon. I doubt you're going to get a trip around the world. But this guy at 16 and a trip around the world. You're talking about big-time money. This guy could have been retired. This guy could have been retired for sure. Uh, As the young man traveled through Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's hurting people. Finally, he wrote, he wrote home and he told his parents he wanted to be a missionary. He wrote two words in his Bible. You know what they are, no reserves. Even though he was wealthy, he arrived on the campus of Whale trying to look like everyone else. His classmates noticed something unusual about him. It wasn't that he had lots of money. One of them wrote, he came to college far ahead spiritually, of any of us, he had given his heart in full surrender during to Christ. Uh, to Christ during his first semester, he started something that would transform uh, campus life. He started a morning prayer group, gave birth to a movement that spread across the campus. At the end of his first year, 150 freshmen were meeting weekly for Bible study and prayer. By the time he was a senior, 1,000 of Yale's 1,300 students were meeting in such groups. His outreach ministry was not confined to the campus. He shared about widows and orphans and disabled. He rescued drunks. Drunks? The guy's got money. Yep, drunks. From the streets of New Haven. His missionary call narrowed to the Muslim people in China. He never wavered from that. Although he was a millionaire, he seemed to realize always that he must be about his father's business. Upon graduation from Yale, he turned down some high-paying job offers. He wrote two more words in his Bible, no retreats. He went on to do graduate work at Princeton. When he finished his studies at Princeton, he sailed for China. Because he was hoping to work with Muslims, he stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic while there. He contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. When the news of William Borden's death was called back to the U.S., the story was carried nearly in every newspaper. A wave of sorrow went around the world. Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself in a way so joyous and natural that it sensed a privilege rather than a sacrifice. Prior to his death, Borden had written two more words in his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, he had written, no regrets. I think concerning Moses, 
I think if we were to talk to Moses today, Moses would say the same thing. I have no regrets that I turned down this world's goods to serve God. Number six, finally, faith rejects a worldly prize. The scripture says, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses wanted heaven's reward. Moses chose to live for what really mattered. His faith could wait for spiritual rewards rather than have fleshly rewards. This world is nothing to offer us. Al Smith was a man, very talented musician. He penned many songs, would sing and play the piano. I heard him once years ago. He wrote this little chorus, and I conclude with this. With eternity's values in view, Lord, with eternity's value in view, may I do each day's work for Jesus with eternity's values in view. We walk by faith, believing God no matter what. Faith rejects the world's system in which we live and says, I'm on the Lord's side. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the